Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. Just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Podcast starts now. There's no way around it. This is the beginning of our podcast. George, how the hell are you? Beginnings can be fraught. <laughs> Start there. No, sometimes I do sometimes I do wish we could just have one ongoing conversation and an editor could go in and just pick the good parts rather than having to restart it every time. See, I completely disagree. I love the falseness of the beginning. I love that we talk for 10 to 15 minutes and it feels natural <laughs> and casual. And then suddenly we say podcast starts now and we're different people. I, I think that, um, I mean, it, it works well for my sensibilities. Um, I think I... <laughs> I just go into a full monologue. I'm like, you know, Do ever it. since uh, I think in the last few years, I've recognized that I actually am an introvert. And I know that we don't like to have sort of an introvert extrovert conversation. And yet I find myself being like, I need to be alone. And then when I'm in public, I'm performing. Speaking of performing, we're in the middle of our tour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. It's funny. Okay. Here, here's something um, sort of uh, toxic is you know, I sometimes, especially uh, in my past, I've had an issue with interrupting people, right? And I would say now I've almost gone so far in the other direction where sometimes when I can't think of something to say, I'm like, good, you're being, this is good. <laughs> it's good that you are just letting someone talk and and they are clearly like reaching an endpoint and it is your turn to speak, but just like see what else they see what else they say. As you were talking, I was like, I could I could start talking, but guess what? I'm not ready yet. <laughs> yeah, I I think silence is a powerful tool. No, I agree. Um, but to your point, we are in the midst of tour. We are currently recording right after three back-to-back shows in the Northeast. You know what actually what I wanted to do is I wanted to remember to in the intro say everyone go buy tickets to Seattle, Portland, San Francisco and Los Angeles and that way we don't have to record an intro 
after the fact that goes before the theme song and that people skip and don't actually listen to. <laughs> Correct. So if you are listening to this, it is now the lull before the last leg of our tour. We're talking Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, and Los Angeles. You need to pause this podcast, open our Instagram, and click on the link in our bio and buy tickets. And then come back and listen to this iconic episode. Well, what I want to say about tour that I feel like I'm learning about us, I, and, mm-hmm. and feel free to disagree. Yeah. I think we're, I think we're babies. I think we're babies and even wimps. <laughs> I think we're babies Wait, and wimps. Wait, say more. I think I will never forget day two. We're in Philadelphia, a city that we adore. And we were acting like we had been on tour for months. We were so tired and we were so cranky. And we had done one show. We had done a total of okay, one show in okay, one I know city. you feel this way. I have a counterpoint, which is it's always harder in the beginning. It's like saying, it's like, um, you know, giving birth to a baby and having a hard time the first day and being like, well, I'm not cut out to be a mother. No, like you will get through that first, you know, uh, the terrible twos. <laughs> and by the time that little kid is 12 years old, you will be packing those lunches like it's nothing. You will be going to those PTA meetings. You will be going to your job as a successful businesswoman at a community-run bank, and you will be barely breaking a sweat. So just because something's hard in the beginning doesn't mean you give up. No, and I'm not saying we should give up. I guess I just am surprised at how hard the childbirth of one single show in Boston was. Well, it's always, you know, no (laughs) one tells you how hard it is to give birth to a tour. (laughs) That's true. And no one tells you how hard it is to just go to Boston and Philly, two neighboring cities, two of the closest possible cities you could go to from Brooklyn, New York. Quite close, quite close. And even culturally, very similar. Mm -hmm. Um, And yet, I, I... I've never felt so tasked in my life. I've never felt no, it's like true. I've been through more difficulty in my whole life. I, I want to get your, you know, since we're here, I want to get your first impressions of the first three shows. I mean, by the time people are listening to this, we will also have done shows in Minneapolis and Chicago. But unfortunately, uh, there is simply no way to to broach that time warp between now and then. <laughs> well, I'm having a vision of Minneapolis and Chicago and, oh my God, they're incredible and star-studded and everyone has huge revelations. <gasps> Where am I? Oh my God, wait. Is that Minneapolis native Lizzo in the front row of our Minneapolis show at the Cedar Cultural Center? Lizzo, how did you get there? And first of all, we forgive you. Um, <laughs> Lizzo, they're liars. Every one of those girls. You're perfect. And thank you for coming to our show. Um, no, I, I want to say... I think the first shows were incredible, and of course we are supposed to say that, but it actually is true. I think, um, you know, with me, I live in a bubble. I live, uh, and I'm actually quite comfortable being in my bubble. And I, there's a part of me that was like, well, maybe I'll never leave. Maybe I will know the same 15 gay people, and we will go to the same four bars every weekend until the day that I am dead <laughs> at year 100. I love that your bubble has become that you have embraced it as sort of part of your narrative. <laughs> I love my bubble. What can I say? I love my bubble and I think my bubble is beautiful. Um, but it has been nice to get out of my bubble a bit. And um, and I think uh, I've seen that people that live in Boston and Philly and DC, you know, they're not so different from you and I. Totally. And it's been really nice to get out of our bubble and go to gay bars in different <laughs> Um, blue state capitals. 
I think that is something that I really highly recommend to everyone out there that wants to get to know the American voter. Go to various cities in the Northeast in blue states and go to gay bars. <laughs> the things you will learn. <laughs> well, what I learned actually is that every gay bar outside of New York City is better than every gay bar inside of New York City. Do, don't even get me started. Like, And we're talking breadth. We're talking like more loungy gay bars. We're talking more dancey gay clubs. We're talking more sort of queer inclusive gay bars and more toxic gay guy centric gay bars all everything along the spectrum so far i have preferred to everything on offer in new york city it is insane how there is like it is like just more fun it is more fun like in new york city you have to be like a model slash actress slash singer slash regular drug user to get into the door. <laughs> Whereas in Philly, you can go to a gay bar and be a teacher and people will celebrate you and love you. And I would give anything to have a teacher allowed into a gay bar in Brooklyn. When you enter, when you enter the club in Philly, they say, Mr. Taggart, <laughs> <laughs> your class changed me. <laughs> you made me want to be a math major. <laughs> I know it's like people are less self-conscious. People are more fun. People are have a sunnier disposition and 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 mm. the music is more fun. Oh my god. The way that they were just playing normal music. Yeah. Yeah. Although something happened and I won't say in which city, which shocked us. When they played multiple tracks in a row from one artist. One female artist who is currently on tour who we have notoriously felt neutral on. Yes, and we won't say any more. But I was that I was like, oh, that's how you know you're not in New York, baby. Because <laughs> in New York, that DJ has a PhD in DJing and is also like a Nepo baby and is David Guetta's nephew. Yeah, and you, you know, have to know whereas, him personally to get in. And you have to know him personally <laughs> to get in. And he has 200,000 followers on Instagram and also has a line of tableware. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, that, I mean, there was something charming about hearing the three songs from the one pop star that we feel neutral about in a row, mm -hmm. because I was sort of like, it, I was like, okay, I'm just in someone's living room. Like, uh, there's no pretension here. You can totally. just drop all, all of that and just... You know, I had my coastal elite instinct of being like, well, that's not allowed. Yeah. Someone, someone switch out the DJ. This guy's fired. <laughs> and yeah, I assume it's a man because he's incompetent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Someone switch out the DJ. This person is fired get someone that plays that that plays at least six songs until the next <laughs> song by the same pop star. Yeah. But then I thought, why am I like actually that's how I would probably do it when I was listening to if I was listening to music on my own Spotify. I'm I'm listening to an artist and then I'm like, oh you know who what else is good? This other song by this artist that we are notoriously neutral on. You know what? I I'm actually I've become a worse DJ than I thought possible recently. Um, I have a new style of DJing where I'll play one single song at a time, and then I'll let it finish, <laughs> and then I'll be like, mm, "What's next? What's next?" <laughs> Can I tell you something? I actually this is a, a real shame of mine. Is like I actually now truly am starting to rely on ai for dj oh you do like, like i'm like i will playlist? literally i will literally do like beyonce or radio wow like just fully and it is it makes me feel so ashamed because if someone did that with an 
art form I was more knowledgeable about, not to say I'm not knowledgeable about music, but with something that I, I have stronger feelings about, I would be like, wow, you've really given up and this is iRobot and you've let the machines win. <laughs> but sometimes, honestly, it is just easier to press play. Yeah, no, I, let them take over, whatever, who cares? Um, it's bad, it's bad. It's really, I, we're, all getting, we're all getting complacent in this country. Yeah. Um, one more thing about tour really quickly yes. that I didn't expect is that both of us are meeting people from our pasts in a way that is very, if we were dating, it would be a rom-com. If we, there is something so like we're filling in each other's blanks in a way that is shocking. I mean, it's crazy. Imp- we are doing a tour of each other's past. <laughs> Quite literally. I mean, like this at is- every, I have, I've met your uh, aunt and uncle. I have met Misha's parents. I have met your sister and her family. I'm about to meet your full-on parents in Chicago. Yeah, you have met my grad school friends. You have met my undergrad uh, friends, college friends, yeah. undergrad friends. You are about to meet all my San Francisco friends. At each time, we have a little sort of like meeting of, and you learn a little more about me, and I learn a little more about you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What have you learned about me so far? I have an answer for you. You have an answer for me? Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. What have I learned about you so far? Well, to be honest, Uh-oh. I'm going to be open and honest and say I didn't actually meet your aunt and uncle that came to, that came to our Boston show because yeah. I was backstage when they were there. But you were meeting my, you're going to meet my other aunt and uncle in Minnesota. But yeah. Yeah. And I'm, but I met your sister. I actually, this has been haunting me ever since that happened. You know when sometimes your first thought is just the most obvious thing and you don't have time to think of something more interesting to say? When I met your sister, I immediately said, you guys look so much alike. (laughs) And the moment, the second I said that, I was like, you fucking idiot. You fucking idiot. As though they haven't heard that from everyone like their entire life. Yes, they're siblings. They look alike. And And that was my first instinct. I was literally like, I go, I've heard so much about you. Again, one of the most basic things you can say. And you look so much alike. And Riley, too. <laughs> well, sometimes, you know, the most obvious answer is the right one. Yes, um, but what I will say, what I what I will say is that... It was so, okay, something that was sort of funny is after the show, your sister was like, where do you guys want to go? And you were like, oh, maybe somewhere gay. And I had a moment where I had to, and I was like, Sam, it's okay if we don't go somewhere gay when we go out with your sister. (laughs) George, it's okay to take up space. And if I'm in DC for my gay podcast, I want to go somewhere gay. And that's valid. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just want to say, I loved the non-gay cocktail bar where your sister took us. And I thought those... Um, even those little snacks we had were absolutely delicious. They were. Anyway, I'm. I'm. I know I'm avoiding your question, but I want to know what you th- learn about me through the, through okay. meeting my. Okay. I learned I, the arc of your life. I think is a push mm-hmm. and pull through optimism and pessimism, and <laughs> I think in undergrad you were pessimistic, and then in mm-hmm. grad school you were extremely optimistic. I Whoa. see uh, your grad school friends. I was addicted to. They were all so. They reminded me of my Chicago friends. They were so like joyful and sort of like uh-huh. <laughs> unironically kind. Um, yeah. And because ironically kind is a thing and totally. they are not that. And um, I, I was and but then I met your undergrad friends and I was like, ooh, and these guys, these guys, I can edgy, edgy. They've got bite, baby. 
they've got bite. And um, yeah, so we we hung out with my uh, my friend Adam, who was one of my best friends in college. And famously, his thing in college was being ahead of his time in terms of climate doomerism. <laughs> so every, it would just be like, well, folks, climate catastrophe is coming. And everyone else would be like, yeah, but what are you majoring? And he's like, no, no, no. <laughs> Yeah, he was right. Just like our vision of our and he was Minneapolis right, show. Ultimately, um, anyway, okay, we need to bring in our guests. Yeah, this has gone Otherwise, too long. Yeah, this has gone way too long. And you know what? Without further ado, I have to say I'm very excited for this guest. This is someone who is very important to us because many years ago they were the first uh, person to give us press coverage <laughs> when they wrote about us in an extremely kind article in Vulture. They are, believe it or not, a real life novelist, and their new novel People Collide comes out September 26th. Please put your hands together, everyone at home and in your car. That's right. Stop touching the steering wheel and put your hands together right now yeah. for Isle McElroy. Thank you. Thank you. I feel like this is proof that if you just like, I don't want to give like bad information to your fans that if they write enough press about you, that totally. they will end up on the show. Well, I remember very clearly when you first wrote that we actually at the time we were planning on having you on. And then when you had the idea to write about us, you were like, well, of course, obviously, I'm taking my hat off the, you know, I'm taking myself yeah. off the mm -hmm. list of people like I have journalistic integrity. And I really do love that. Um, approximately three years later, you were like, well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to cash yeah, in. Integrity has a half life. Yeah. <laughs> like I, we have reached the end of it. I am past that. Right. And now that you're promoting a, a work of fiction, you no longer have to have journalistic integrity. No, it's all gone. I'm, I don't get fact-checked anymore. It's yeah, got, yeah. yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. I would love it so. if they fact-checked fiction. They should. They'd be like, this character never... Harry Potter's not real. <laughs> 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 They're like, you know magic's fake, right? <laughs> <laughs> they would have to add a little correction. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, <laughs> magic is fake, <laughs> according to our research team. <laughs> I think there should be a correction for every word so that each novel has, like, an exact, like, similar, like, same number of words at the like back of each novel. yeah absolutely i think that's a great just idea. with each correction so yeah. Isle, what's up <laughs> oh you know not much just hanging out um i don't know i i have nothing going on in my life <laughs> that is literally I... not true you have a novel coming out <laughs> <laughs> i have a book coming out and i'm like losing my mind about it it is like very stressful and i've become a monster to everyone in my life how so i'm the only thing that i know how to talk about uh, well, tell so, us about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's going on? I oh, I am preparing for a small tour, so I have no idea how that oh. goes. So, hearing you talk about the birthing of tours, like truly, truly terrified me. Um, so, well, let me tell you, I don't know how that life gonna... on the road after yeah, so any... three days. <laughs> well, it's tough. I feel road hard and put up wet. I don't know the phrase exactly. Road hard and put up wet. <laughs> I have to say, you know, I we I, I now because we've done this for uh, sort of a week, I feel so used to waiting for people's live reaction when I speak. And mm. you were saying, Sam, that you're excited to be back in the home studio and and back to not having to make everyone laugh with every single thing you say. But now that I'm not hearing reactions, I'm like, all right, so am I bombing this entire time? Well, I think what I was grateful for to be back recording is there's also our tone does change and i think for the better it, obviously we're not gonna have like a quiet conversation in front of <laughs> upwards of 300 yes. people but i do think like uh, there's a, a, a almost like a high energy thing that is like i think for some people might be confusing if they've just heard the podcast 
um and i was so excited to be back recording where we can be like grumpy and quiet and yawning again. yeah we are figuring that out i in the dc show we had the idea to go back and forth on the rows and sort of high five people when we came out but then we hadn't uh thought of what the correct way to do that was so suddenly it was just silent and we felt like we needed to fill the silence so what we both did at the same time was went back and forth saying hi 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 while high-fiving people on the way there and on the way back i thought saying hi was so funny and in fact a genius it was sort of like halfway between a live performance and a podcast recording <laughs> like we are doing a live performance but we haven't figured out how to be like what's up dc yeah hi 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 I, podcast starts now podcast starts now podcast starts my now. favorite part was we like ran down the aisle which and then we like got to the other end after saying hi 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 we turned around and then there was a pause where we were like what are we going to say back and then started saying hi 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 again and that really yeah. crushed yeah were the other highs like really different do you think they were like did you feel like a new person when you got to say it again um i I felt more confident in myself when i had to say it again oh did you yeah that's funny because i actually had the opposite reaction where at first i was like okay at least i'm doing something at least i'm doing something and then when i started saying hi again i was like i can't believe this is what i'm doing i can't believe this is what i'm doing (laughs) to me it felt like we were doing a bit i i think maybe it's because i've been hanging out with like babies that weekend totally um my sister's kids and you know that's like how they they're just sort of like hi 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 so i was like it's so (laughs) funny to be uh pulling from that while totally (laughs) totally but you ripped off that baby yeah i plagiarized a baby and i'm not and i'm not giving them a dime sweetheart (laughs) oh my god i'll do you think your personality will change when you're on the road and, and live in action Absolutely. Yeah. I normally just sort of black out whenever I'm like, like whenever I leave my house, I don't really know what my personality is. Mm -hmm. I just sort of get taken over by whatever people expect me Mm. to be. So I think especially when I give a reading, I have like no idea what I end up saying to people. (laughs) Well, something that to me is incredible about a book tour, and I I will courageously say I've never written a book. Thank you. But something that is sort of incredible to me about (laughs) a book tour is you basically, I mean, how it works is that you do a reading and then you are essentially interviewed by someone of your choice or of the bookstore or the venue's choice. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Sam and I are booking guests at all these places, but they are doing our show. We tell them, you know what to do they bring us to a topic whatever what you're doing is sort of picking various people to like mythologize you and like make like yeah. and and be the barbara walters to your let's say monica Lewinsky. <laughs> you know so and, and that to me is very like main character oh absolutely yeah i mean i sometimes i've done that for other people yeah. and like i offer to feed them questions they don't want it which sounds even more like vain mm-hmm. yeah so it'd be like no i'm just going to be ready like no matter what you ask of me like i will feel conformed to like whatever i end up saying totally i mean well the performance of like i mean an interview when you think of an interview you're like okay someone's getting to the bottom of the truth but it's interesting when that interviewer has been hired by the person doing the... the, the I am paying them. Yes. Normally people don't pay, but I pay a very hefty amount in order to get the questions that I want in there. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I, I would love to see the different package rates. If you pay 5000 it's sort of a like, you're a great writer. If you pay, you know, 10000 it's you're a voice of a generation. I would go platinum with it. I would, I would do the 50000 um, and say that you're the only person who's ever written a book. <laughs> yeah, well, for a hundred thousand, they actually remove every other book from the. Bookstore. Oh, they burn oh them. My God. So yeah. I actually, I burn them. yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, yeah, it's expensive, but it's it's worth it, really. Um, I mean, placement really, yeah. placement really is everything. I get so, <laughs> so stressed. I, I get so stressed when I'm in a bookstore. I'm like, 
let's take a pause for two years. No one write a book for two years after People Collide comes out. No one write a book for two yeah. years so we can all catch up. Because quite frankly, sometimes now I'm like, books that I have been like sort of putting off, I'm like, wait a minute, that now came out six years ago? Yeah. Yeah. It hurts. We, we got to pause. Oh, yeah. I'm like a professional and I still can't even keep up with them. Like all of them. And they keep like, and I have to like, and then I have friends books that I have to read as well. Totally. Oh yeah. my God. Don't get me started. Yeah. Yeah. When people are... I hope they're not listening. I'm just going to trash all my friends. You should. Yeah. yeah. Who's your most okay. overrated friend? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on. When people are like, <laughs> like, okay, these are like the 20 best books of the year. I'm like, hold on. So yeah. you've not only read those 20, but I have to assume <laughs> at least 20 plus more. Like this is, this is getting a little wild. I love you going up to like a professional book critic and being like, I'm sorry, you read 20, but where do you have the time? Here's the little secret. Yeah. They don't. Really? No, they yeah. don't. It's true. Yeah, they don't. So they're yeah. just kind of riffing. It's kind of like so me in college. Yeah. If you, if you look at those lists, you might see that they sound eerily similar to the back copy on the back of the book. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. Well, you know <laughs> what? Know. Honestly, like, and we don't have to talk about this with you right now as someone who has a novel coming out, but one of my favorite topics is basically like the blurbing ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Like it is, I feel like the average person doesn't really know how it works. And they're like, oh, Zadie Smith... <laughs> Call, Zadie Smith woke up and was like, I have to blurb this book. It is the best thing that has ever happened. Yeah. And in fact, what happens is quite the opposite. What happens actually? Um, what happened normally is that Zadie Smith was your teacher. Oh. Right. At NYU. That yeah. is a big, that is a big one. But I also feel maybe Zadie Smith is not the right yeah. example, but I it's, you know, it's sort of like yeah. You're like, okay, who's going to blurb my book? And then you sort of court yeah. them. Often it's someone yeah. you know. It's someone that has the same publisher as you or whatever. I mean, I think in yeah. Isle's case, actually, everyone did wake up in the middle of the night and call and say, I, yeah. I want to do this. It's so, But but for every other I had to offer, fend people off. Yeah. Everyone was pushing me to try to, like, get on the back of this book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're actually, I, I heard you're releasing a zine, actually, of all the rejected blurbs. Yeah. Yeah, and they're very bad. Mm -hmm. Like the I can't believe even people even like submitted with those. Totally. Blurbs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I you mean, actually both submitted blurbs. Yeah, that's true. That's right. We did. I said they were I not, didn't want to make this weird. Yeah. They were not literary <laughs> but, enough. Yeah, my they were. <laughs> yeah, both of ours were sort of like too. Like mine was like I'll. They did that. Yeah, mine was. I've heard of <laughs> we bought a zoo, but they wrote a book. <laughs> 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 so I, I yeah. I'm adding both of them actually. They're Please both do. my website. Yeah. Yeah. I do love sometimes <laughs> like seeing some of the blurbs be you can just tell someone just wrote it on a napkin and was like, "Oh, I don't have time like here." And yeah. and it's like like sometimes a blurb will truly be like this popped off the page. Um, period. Yeah. Period. Do so the, does a blurb person have to read the book or no? I have read to the end of every book that I've blurred. I think that's that is, nice. That's very that's respectful. Very nice. Yeah, that is my journalistic integrity. <laughs> I mean, and to be clear, you know. But now that I've thrown that out the window, I don't need to. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, and you run in, you know, you run in these like literary sophisticated circles. But there's also books that are written by literally like a, a, a sort of a B-list celebrity or yeah. um, 
someone who wrote like two shouts and murmurs for the New Yorker and you someone in publishing. And I think those are more sort of like pay to play. <laughs> mm. Yeah, exactly. When it's like Ethan Hawke that says like engrossing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or often yeah. if it's like, sorry to blow people's minds, but often it'll be a comedian writing a book and then the blurb will be from the host of the late night show that comedian writes for. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Okay, we're exposing too much. Some people Sorry. need to believe in magic. Bleep that. Yeah. Bleep like, that. Bleep that. <laughs> yeah. I've come on here to take down publishing. The, well, it's working. I, listen, yeah. I honestly, it would not take much. <laughs> Literally just like <laughs> a little tap. I think it is hanging it is hanging on by a thread from what I read. <laughs> from what I read on the Instagram account Publishers Brunch. Yeah, future historians will look back at this episode as the thing that finally ended publishing. Wow. Yes. Well, put it out of its misery. The last book to be published is Isle McElroy's <laughs> People Collide. <laughs> Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We are both dealing with such different issues in our day-to-day -day lives. You have a full-time job in Los Angeles. You've had to uproot your home. You've had to, you have to figure out work-life balance. Meanwhile, I am a freelancer in New York City. How do I fit it all in one day? How do I create my own schedule? What am I, some boss lady in a film? You know, it's so hard. You have to be boss and employee. But you know what? We can't keep these things bottled up. You know, we need to let them out. That's right. People all carry around different stressors, both big and small. And when you bottle them up, it can start to affect you negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I'll tell you something. Therapy in the past for me has been just a place where once a week I can tell someone what I'm thinking of in a safe and enclosed space where no one can enter and ask me to send an email because it is my time and it is my time for therapy. And everyone deserves that in all across this great nation. Yeah. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and hey, suited for your schedule. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Stradio today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Stradio. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought... In that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Should we do our first segment? 
I think there's absolutely no other option but to do that. I'll, our first segment is called Straight Shooters. And in this segment, we will ask you a series of rapid fire questions to gauge your familiarity with and complicity in straight culture. That's basically this thing or this other thing. And the only rule is you can't ask any follow-up questions or we will scream at you. Um, so that being said, are you ready to start? I am. George, do you want to kick us off? I would love to. People Collide by Isle McElroy, or There's a Divide in This Great Country. Oh, I love that. <laughs> There's a divide in this great country. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Committing friendly fire or recommending to your friend The Wire? Ooh. The Wire. Mm. Winning the lottery, taking a pottery, or oatmeal that's watery? <laughs> uh, taking a pottery. Okay. Soup dumplings or group humpings? <laughs> uh... Soup dumplings. <laughs> okay. Um, Wait. Are you changing your mind? I almost... I am changing my mind. <laughs> okay. No, 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 I almost asked a follow-up question. That would have been horrible well, for your it's book. It's good that you caught yourself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll... Finding treasure at an estate sale or seeking pleasure with an effete male? Hmm. Uh, estate sale. Okay, I'll wearing a camelback on a big hike or singing sexy back at girls' night. <laughs> sexy back. Okay, committing to the bit, admitting to defeat, or babysitting an ungrateful little shit. <laughs> wow. Oh, babysitting an ungrateful little shit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay, and this one I'm actually pulling from the DC Live show, so don't get mad at me if you live in DC and saw it live, but... <laughs> Eating a bowl from Chipotle or getting called old from someone who's Twente? Uh, Twente. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's what they said in D.C. too. That it's was true. It's kind of yeah. universal. Yeah. yeah, if you ever need community, just move to D.C. <laughs> um, um, wow. You know, I got to say, you know, it's going to have to go ahead and be a... Uh, 930 doves? Yeah, I'd have to agree. You know, there was such a knowing, uh, uh, it was such a lived-in performance. Um, but, you know, of course, we had to dock you a little bit because... Well, because of the lack of journalistic integrity. Needless to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's pretty much it. You know, yeah. we... Do you want me to fact check my answers? Like, would that no, be we have an I, in-house. Fact can checker. I change? <laughs> yeah. We have an in-house fact checker, and they actually keep ringing the alarm that everything has been false so far. <laughs> yeah, but, but the performance you know was great. So, what are you going to do? The performance was great. We're renegades. We're renegades. Um, um, wait, is the segment now over? It's it, officially over. over. Now you can ask questions. Can I ask my follow-up question? Please. Okay. So, was it soup, comma, dumplings, comma, group humpings? Or soup dumplings. Soup dumplings. Soup dumplings. One, one, okay. One. Great. Okay. Would that have changed your answer? Absolutely. It would have changed so much. <laughs> You're right. I forget. These writer types. <laughs> you know, you put a comma here and suddenly it's all different. Um, should we get into the topic? I think, I think so. I'm actually really excited about this topic. And it is something that we coincidentally have been talking about ourselves so i'll please what is your topic and what is straight about it okay so my topic is lunch mm. and there are tons of things that are straight about it so i think first off lunch assumes that you have a job i think it's hard to have lunch <laughs> if you don't totally. have a job <laughs> yeah. yeah like <laughs> if i'm just hanging out at home all day it's probably breakfast if you're eating at noon 
right? So like lunch assumes that you have a suit on, that you're like leaving your office to go out someplace. Like the three martini lunch, mm. oftentimes deals are happening. Totally. Deals, very straight. That's true. Um, lunches, when you're younger, packed by a mom as part of a like nuclear, nuclear family. family. Absolutely. Um, lunches, I think they... Name another meal that has a set time. It's always lunch. Totally. Right? There's an assumption that it's only going to be at this one moment. Um, I also think, oh, wait, the Lunchable, which I want to eventually get into, Mm -hmm. um, is the MRE, the most militaristic of lunches. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But it's like teaching kids how to be in the army um, by getting them ready for their... Also, the lunchroom this like site of social hierarchy yeah where what you eat is decided upon so i think everything points to lunch being straight <sighs> wow wow i guess i want to push back you've thrown so much yeah. at us already you're obviously yeah. trying to confuse us up top and make us <laughs> unable to communicate but i want to start with the having a job part <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> to me um this is complex because I like to yeah. skip breakfast and and or say I'm skipping breakfast and almost pretend like almost like I'm covering up a secret that I woke up at like 10 or whatever. I'll be like, you know what? Bre- you don't deserve breakfast. You, you get lunch now. Um, and I like to uh, skip breakfast as punishment and have lunch instead. Okay, but punishing yourself for not having a job is also straight. You're being like, you're like, why can't I just be normal? Like my father. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's actually true. But does that lunch become breakfast though? Like that? I mean, that's the real This is the thing. Yeah. I I think lunch is defined, yes, by the time, but also by the type of food. And I think if you're eating an egg, for example, at noon, it's breakfast but if you're eating a turkey sandwich at noon it's lunch mm-hmm. what if you're eating a turkey sandwich at 9 a.m then you're insane and you're off your rocker <laughs> <laughs> then you're the joker and you need to be locked up <laughs> i mean i when sam and i were talking about this i was i did make the argument that lunch is the straightest meal and sam you pushed back if i remember correctly i thought that... you thought breakfast was the straightest meal because that was like getting up having a meal for your job oh okay i just well for me lunch is like i think i'll point to this but it is the most regimented meal in some ways it is the meal that is most represented by fast casual dining for instance like you sure, sure. you know it is the one that you're most likely to get a pret a manger wrap for you're most likely to get a sweet green salad for you're most likely to go to a dig in it's all like packaged food it's like it's a salad that you then have to shake to get the dressing in there it's a sandwich that you have to unwrap and then you know a tomato falls out and onto your white pants there is less joy to it you are always on the go and also the other thing is it signifies the end of the optimism of the morning and the beginning of the sort of like slow march to death that is an afternoon in an office where you just you're literally like it is 2 30 p.m 3 p.m and you're like i might die here yeah 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 you're starting to get sleepy things are like bad things are happening yeah i mean and you're thinking about a snack yeah i think but i lunch i'm sorry to be so passionate but passion is beautiful (laughs) a lunch is like so the food could be anything i feel 
like it has the you widest range the of food that it could be like yes there's traditional but you could also have curry and it would be like that's lunch like you could have i guess to, yeah Sorry, I keep now I'm passionate and I am going to interrupt you. <laughs> please, please. Because I feel like we actually had this exact conversation. We did have this exact like, conversation. No, dinner is the most <laughs> versatile. I mean, to me, at dinner, you can have yeah. any nationality and ethnicity, any like it can be anything from like a vegan meal to like a steak and a glass of Cabernet. But you're insane because you can't have you can't have like eggs for dinner without someone being like, I'm having yes, breakfast for dinner. Like, they're first of all, they're saying I'm having breakfast all, you for can dinner. Have it, uh, watch me have a tortilla española, sweetheart, <laughs> for dinner. And also, by the way, let's say you can't have eggs. Okay, so you can have everything basically but eggs. Like that's sort of the only thing. Basically, everything but breakfast food but is. What about a quiche? I think. Doesn't that count as again, eggs? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's eggs. But that's like you can have a quiche for dinner, or like a like. A, you can have a quiche for dinner. Yeah, I've never heard of anyone having a quiche for dinner. <laughs> I think absolutely dinner is by far. Dinner is the meal that allows the most that allows the most variety. Even if you literally take out all egg dishes, if you take out pancakes, whatever else, most restaurants are restaurants where you go to for dinner, right? But isn't that isn't that what makes it straighter? Is it's like so much more defined? Like a lunch is sort of like this free for all, where it's like figure it out. Like I don't know what to do. Like a restaurant is it's it's more like there's a tradition there's a like a, a path you follow generally huh mm. this... i think there's more of a path I... <laughs> this is the most this is the most confused yeah. i've ever been no you know no you know what's funny okay you know what's funny yeah. is i actually i'm like as ardent as ever that i'm right but i'm like if, if i keep fighting back it'll just be I'm, i'll just be like yelling <laughs> No, I literally it's want to be, be the like, end of publishing yeah. and this podcast. Literally, this I was thing. literally about to be like, no, Sam, lunch is more recommended. We just don't go into an office, so we don't experience it. But it's literally like, I mean, I remember when I used to go to an office, I would just decide every day, like, am I going to go to Sweet Green, Dig In, or the little campus cafe, because I work by a college campus where I could get like the daily soup. But and those were my literal three options every single day with no other. But George, this isn't just for people in so offices. This is for all people. <laughs> You're being inclusive. Okay, but I guess. Okay. Okay. Well, maybe. I think, George, but yes. there's something so straight about that pessimism. Right. True, about true. that, like, this is the only thing that I have to live for mm -hmm. is whatever comes next. Right. That sort of like hopeful, like I have nothing in my life except a meal, which seems like very like dad coming home from work. Like, what am I? That's very like 1950s, like revolutionary road. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, totally. Coming back, cheating on your wife. OK, maybe I'm like, maybe the solution here is sort of splitting the difference and being like. If you have a job, lunch is the straightest meal. But if you don't have a job, you are so liberated that actually lunch is th that actually lunch can be so many things. But then dinner, you're like, well, now I finally have to get it together because it's my first time leaving the house. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like dinner is the lunch of people who are not traditionally employed <laughs> because that is when they have to like plan around other people's schedules. That is so true. That is it. That makes sense to me. Okay. Wow. Yeah, we've agreed on it. Okay. I think we've agreed. That was actually we have not argued like this ever on this podcast. I would. I, I, I know. Would say. I don't know why I felt. I don't know why I felt so passionate. Uh, about but it. I did too. It's totally. It was mutual. That was very. Yeah. You should like do treaties. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know what well. else though? I, yeah. I actually think Sam, you do have more of a sense of joy when it comes to lunch, whereas I really am like. 
even now that I'm not, I don't have a, 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 you know, an office job, but I'm literally like, for me, lunch is sandwich or salad. I cannot tell, I cannot remember the last time I didn't have either a sandwich or a salad for lunch. So would it be weird if I like called myself out as the Stradio Lab historian? Please, please, in this? please tell us, tell us. Yeah, because um, Sam, you have said in the past that lunch is the most difficult meal. I, I think and it is. I believe in your Alison Roman episode, you're, you talked a lot about how much you hated thinking of a lunch. Thank you for bringing this and up. And how difficult it is. I'm sensing yeah, internalized so I, homophobia. <laughs> oh, lunch is gay and I hate it. No, no, no. The thing is, that's why I hate it. There's too many options. You can do anything. There's no right way. And yeah, in- Sam is like LGBTQIAAIIAA. <laughs> Honey, I can't keep up. That's Sam about lunch. I wish I wish every I wish the military would distribute a a, a bar of protein for me to eat every day at 12:30 p.m. at lunch. Lunch essentially. Yeah. Right. I yeah. spiral so hard at lunch. I have I have lost all momentum with my day at 12:30 because it's like okay, well I can either, you know, make something that will taste horrible or I can spend f- roughly $30 on something that will taste mediocre. Uh mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I I actually I, I, one I want a dining hall again, two I want military <laughs> issued protein, three like a fast casual. I wish I wish I had a sweet green next to me so that I could not have to think about lunch every day and, you know, butch butch up my lunch experience. Totally. <laughs> this is so fascinating because we really we really are coming at this from the opposite perspective. It's like I'm coming at it as from the perspective of like a recovering office worker who now doesn't have to go into an office and is sort of figuring it out and you're coming at it from someone who has always been on the outside looking in <laughs> saying I wish there was a sweet green. I'll what do you do for lunch? Um I normally okay, what I like to, I normally eat an egg for lunch. Wow. Wait, a single egg? I will make a single egg in I love doing like where you cook an egg inside of oh, bread. Oh, I love that too. Mm, yes. Uh <laughs> yeah. So that's it's so fun, yeah, right? It's like, fun. Do you have a name for that? Oh, somebody told me once one that was it like frog in the hole or something like that? Or mm, that sounds right. Yeah, I had toad, toad in the hole. hole. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I've heard other names, but they're not as good as that one. But I'll do that and I'll put like a bunch of sriracha or like chili crisp on it. And then I just sort of like pick it up and eat it. And maybe like a kale salad that I'll make myself. Yum. Okay. Oh I love you are being you are being so like health conscious. I know. Sort of cobble hill based influencer. Hearing that, I was like, oh, you're you live in Paris. Like <laughs> amazing and it was like i don't know how i stay so thin like <laughs> <laughs> well okay that is the other actually that is the other ideal of a of a lunch and i'm so glad you brought it up sam which is basically like the effortless european lunch yeah like when yeah. i'm sometimes i will just literally make like and i actually never do this when i'm here i do this when i visit my parents and i'm just like alone and i don't drive i'll literally make like two hard boiled eggs cut up some tomatoes some feta and then just like put drizzle some olive oil on top of it and sort of like have that on the balcony. Well, that sounds that so is LGBTQ plus, I think. But I find hard boiled eggs so difficult. 
There's something about the waiting that like destroys me. I agree, actually. I would say a jammy. I want to be an active participant. Oh, interesting. Okay. (laughs) Like, I want to be flipping the the egg. Okay. So, okay. I get it. Egg, (laughs) cooking a hard boiled egg is like voyeurism, exhibitionism. Yeah. You're like watching the egg do all the action and you're not a part of it at all. You're just like, let me know when you're done. I will cook six of them and keep them for later, but I can't do like one or two at a time. Well, you're right. The egg is like, I'm close. I'm close. (laughs) And you're like, fuck. Yeah, <laughs> you're like just let me know when you're done, babe. Um, I love that. Whereas in the other one, you're switching positions, you're flipping it over. You're like, yeah, you like that, don't you, egg? Wow. And you, yeah, and it can still come, like depending on how long you cook okay, it. Okay, that is actually a very good point because in both cases, yeah. an egg can come prematurely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> I have a solution though for lunch. Okay, okay. I have a, I have um I I it, it occurred to me that this might actually be called the Kinsey scale for lunch Ooh. um in the future. So okay, so here's the scenario. Let's say two people, George, Sam, you decide to have lunch with each other one day. <laughs> Unlikely um, after and... this episode. <laughs> <laughs> you get to the restaurant, George, you're really hungry. You order a surf and turf. Yeah. Um Sam, you order a sliced cucumber with like a side of salt water because you're not that hungry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and George is humiliated, right? Yeah. Like, you know, like Sam, you have to eat really slowly. George is eating really fast so that you can get out of there. You only have half an hour, yeah. right? The problem is there's only one name for lunch. So you have very different ideas for very different or the same word for very different meals. So I'm introducing lunch. Oh, which is a very small lunch. Oh, and then lunch, which will be the medium size. Okay, and then launch with an O <laughs> for a very big lunch. Okay, okay, lunch, 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 lunch. Okay, yeah. So, like George, if you went to Sam, and you're like, "Hey, do you want to grab lunch?" And Sam's like, "No, I need lunch today." You'll go your separate ways <laughs> and wait until you like align with each other. I see. Yeah. So my yeah. sort of like tomato feta drizzle of olive oil that is firmly lunch. Yeah, I think that's lunch. That's I would yeah. say a sa- a turkey sandwich is lunch. Yeah. What's interesting is I would say if you put those things onto bread from the first. Yeah. One, it would become lunch. Becomes lunch. And then launch is like the Anna Wintour meal of having a steak and a caprese salad. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. See, once a steak is involved, you can't, it's always launch. Yeah. I never feel more like, I don't know, toxic diet culture than when I'm like, well, I can't have red meat for lunch. That's lunch. I I think this actually would solve so many issues. George, it's a funny um, example that you bring up because George and I do have very, very different ideas. Like George likes to eat sort of like a, a like late-ish breakfast, I would say, and then like a very small little lunch snack. And like I'm always like I like basically skip breakfast and then get a a, a launch. Uh-huh. Um, and it, it causes issues between us when we're out on the road. <laughs> well, I'll say this. Okay, I'll say this. You know, at, in my home, I will have, again, I, I'm like, I, I didn't realize how uh, unimaginative I am. Because in my home, I have either yogurt or cottage cheese for breakfast. Then I have a sandwich or a salad for lunch. And then dinner, it's literally like, finally, I can be me. I can be, I'm a firework baby. Yeah. Let's do this, born this way. <laughs> well, are you saving your creative energy for other things? I think so. I think so. Yes, I yeah. think so. But I do think when Sam and I are out, that is when I get too creative. 
And so often we'll have the, and with dinner too, so often Sam will have a normal dinner at a normal dinner time. Let's say we have a show at eight. He's like, okay, well, I'm going to get a Chipotle bowl at 630 so I can eat and then be ready for the show. And I will just be like, uh, does not compute like show and dinner. I can't do. And then suddenly it'll be 11 PM and I haven't eaten and I'm drunk because I'm drinking on an empty stomach and I have to make everyone go to a bar that also has bar food. Yeah. I do find that confusing. It's that thing too, when, because you are self-aware about it and then it's yeah. like, okay, but if you're self-aware, then should we change I'm it? Self-aware, <laughs> but then you see it happening and you're like, here he goes again. It's like when we were trying to get dinner before that DC show and I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm okay. And you're like, Jesus. Okay, fine. I guess I'll go. <laughs> but you also do the toxic thing of you're like, well, I'll walk with you. There's like, you could know, literally sorry. just order that. something. I walked with you and then didn't get something. And then on our way back, I was like, maybe I'll find something else on the way back. <laughs> Sam, how does it feel to work with someone who won't help themselves? It's Maybe's tough. It? It's tough for me yeah. because I just want to help, but I, he doesn't let me. Yeah. Um, and so I just have to have, have to watch as he. You know what? Does though, this. with the launch of the lunch, look what I'm about to do. With the launch of the <laughs> lunch spectrum, um, yeah. I think all of this is going to change because there's going to be some clear communication, and there yeah. is going to be some healing. And finally, I also do want to say, now that I know that you have an egg for breakfast or for lunch often, um, yeah. I do see why you see the confusion between breakfast and lunch <laughs> yeah now i see now i see i do often skip breakfast for breakfast i'll normally eat like a cookie like a single mm. possibly two yeah wow i mean the the pastry for breakfast thing yeah. is is interesting like how it is completely normal to have essentially a slice of cake for breakfast like a slice of truly the equivalent of birthday cake for breakfast, just because it has like some banana and nuts in it. Yeah, I've been struggling because there are some times when I'm like, I want a donut, but mm -hmm. it's never the right time. Like it's never like one, any good donut place is out of good donuts by noon. And but it's like, but I don't want it in the morning. Essentially, like the only time I want a donut is like for dessert after like a decadent meal. But uh, that never is an option. And and so I'm left wanting my whole life for a donut, but never at the right time. Huh. There should be an afternoon donut shop that opens at like 1 p.m. and is only open until like 5. You know Done. what? I would take that one step yeah. further. I would take that one step further yeah. and say there should be afternoon bakeries of all kinds. Because I, the yeah. idea that you want, other than bread, which I understand is, you know, you want in the morning, the idea that you would want a baked good fresh in the morning makes no sense. And by the way, yeah. let the chocolate those, croissant yeah. wearing you down. Exactly. Yeah. No. And and also, you know, it's it's such a stereotype in the in that industry. Like, oh, everyone has to wake up at 3 a.m. to start baking. Well, guess what? Honey, sleep in. You were not in a rush. Be ready by 4 p.m. and we can talk. Yeah. I think that's genius. We've solved a lot of society's problems. I completely agree. Over the last hour. I can't believe it. So we're getting rid of books. We are, except for yours. <laughs> yeah. We are, except mine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the lunch is a spectrum and pastries available in the afternoon and even in evening. In the afternoon. Yeah. 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 Wow. wow. Any other ills? What's going to happen to ice cream? I don't know. Ice cream's on the chopping block. Tell you what. <laughs> I do want to say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have sort of one final point on eggs, which I just thought of. To me, 
if you have one egg or three eggs, that is LGBTQ+. Two eggs is the straightest number of eggs you can have, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Because it's like, it's just like a classic couple. Yeah. Right? Like, those two eggs are obviously straight married. Exactly. Like, when you see them, like, exactly. both sunny side up. It's so, yeah. like, all-American <laughs> diner. It's so, yeah. I, I don't, you either have three and it's a meal, or have one and you're in Paris. Exactly. Because I also think the two eggs are there and they're always next to the potatoes, yes. which are children, and <laughs> yes. the br- like toast, which is the house. The house. The house. Duh, the, house. Oh, <laughs> the house. Yeah. Yeah. Or the plate is the house and toast is the, yard? the pool. And oh, guess the pool. what? Bacon, bacon yeah. is the smoke, the toxic smoke that's polluting the town. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's just rising up it's in those rising little waves. Up. Exactly. In those right? little waves. It's, it's, it's out of the chimney, right? It's it's all of the books that that family is burning. Exactly. And... That's the darkness <laughs> they don't want you to see. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Sheesh. And um, so, yeah, no, but I do think, I mean, there is really, and I say this as someone who loves, uh, loves a diner, loves a diner breakfast, yeah. but the image of a classic American breakfast is so conservative and Republican. Quoted. Yeah. Yeah, but it's conservative Republican coded in like the Mono Del Rey way now. Where it's almost like chic. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. You're right. You're right. Okay, so then but what is more conservative though, sausage or bacon? Uh, sausage. Oh. I think. Yeah. Sausage definitely feels sausage. more military for some reason. Yes, definitely. But what if it's not a link? It's like it's a, a, a medallion. Oh. Yeah. I think a link is definitely the most conservative. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think the most LGBTQ plus sausage is like on a pizza, like the little bits because they're all they're <laughs> oh, diverse. Yeah. They're all different. <laughs> like when they're crumbled. Yeah, yeah. when they're crumbled. Yeah. 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 Or if it's like, I mean, if you're getting a pasta and it's literally like sausage and bro- broccoli rob, I mean, that is. Yeah. I mean, that's essentially that's the queerest. That's Sam Smith winning an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> okay really quickly about where does i i am curious about i think late lunch i want to say mm. is queer i firmly agree and that's why i always have a late lunch and sam hates that about me <laughs> george our schedules our schedules are always um different i will say no they are it's true although yeah they are and it's funny because i do think sam is more right than i am in his schedule and i will say that openly <laughs> but i also think don't you think sam that okay I feel like the undercurrent is always like you being like, why is he being so insane? And me being like, why is he being so strict? Yeah. Well, you you are always in a constant state of breaking the rules. And <laughs> and <laughs> in a way that is like, I see I see the instinct. I have been there. Yeah. But at some totally. point, you're just making life harder for yourself. Okay. In my defense, and this is the last thing I'll say about this, because I'm really glad we're bringing it up. <laughs> here's what I think. Here's where I think all this comes from. Okay. I grew up, you know, in Greece... Uh, I grew up in a Greek family and in Greece, lunch is at, I would say even like three and dinner is at like nine. Okay. I obviously can't just like live in America and have that schedule. It would be crazy because then no one would want to like eat with me. So I'm basically constantly torn between assimilation and liberation. <laughs> and ra- and so I never even make a decision. It would actually be healthier if I was just like, this is my schedule. I'm going to stick to it. And I'm going to be the weird person that has lunch at three and dinner at nine. I'm not doing that, but I'm also not committing to the American way. So I'm just constantly frustrated and constantly hungry. You have meal paralysis. Yeah, I have meal, meal paralysis. paralysis. Wow. Does that yeah. sort of help explain... Yeah. Look, you don't have to explain my, yourself to me. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
I'm surprised you didn't already understand that, Sam. I know. Well, you know, I'll, sometimes you need an actual real-life novelist to help you understand your own psyche. And that's why fiction is so important, yeah. because sometimes it's, it's more true than nonfiction. Yeah, well, the fiction is the most important thing in the world. Wait, our, our fact-checkers are actually beeping in, and um, <laughs> they're saying it's, it's not the most important thing. <laughs> no, it's more important. Yeah, it's... I'll, it I teaches like people how to love. I really want to. I want you to write a sort of speculative fiction novel about the new lunch paradigm and how, and maybe it's like a society where people are divided and ranked according to which type of lunch they have. Yeah, like the Divergent series, but for lunch. Exactly. Yeah, for like lunch. for lunch. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's even a slur that's like someone calling someone else like a toad in a like hole a, because yeah. they're like a they're a <laughs> lanch person yeah. and they're for a week <laughs> i want to say one more thing about lanch and maybe this is maybe yeah. i need to work on trusting others but when someone is eating yeah. <laughs> when someone is eating a lanch there's always something in the back of my head that it's like you're gonna be hungry in an hour like and i'm like you're gonna be hungry in one single hour and i'm gonna be paying the price because <laughs> because you... once again i know you're talking about me <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna say like is that person your toddler like no this is like, this happens all the time uh, people like this isn't just you george this happens like okay. people are like oh i want like a cute dinner and it's like totally okay like i see how that was cute but also you must understand we are about to be starving and i maybe too food as fuel oriented and don't get me wrong i wish i could be set free from that yeah like I said, all I want is my government issued meat. Well, protein doesn't have to be meat. Well, wait, <laughs> yeah. So wait, I I want to ask like one: Have you ever been in a situation where someone has a small lunch and you know it's because they actually have a better meal coming later, and you feel like you're the person that's like they're like, oh, I just fit you in. I'm only going to be having like a muffin at this lunch because like they don't respect you enough to like have a true meal with you like you went there thinking that you were on the same playing field i'll this has never uh, like, ever they, they, happened to me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna stop you right there don't don't you wield your little words with me wizard like <laughs> okay i wait so, you know we, we are running out of time but i now i'm like i also okay we recently had a moment Sam, where I feel like you were faced with your own like rigidity and it is the following. It is when we were going to go to the movies and we, and we did in fact. Yeah. And basically someone in our group had a resi notification, which is sort of like, if something opens up, then you get the, the reservation and the meal would have in fact been like a, at a really nice restaurant and heavily discounted. I won't say more. And basically the reservation opened up at 9 PM and I was like, oh my God, like we should go. It'll be right after the movie. And the way the the way you seemed so uncomfortable when we got drinks before the movie, because I knew that you were like, this is not right. This is not right. This should be dinner time. <laughs> it's not. Okay. I think, yes, I was. The rigidity was there. But in my defense, I felt like that was more... One, it was a Monday and I was very uh -huh. tired. And I was sort of like, like, I was even questioning like how social I could be. And so I right, was like, right, right. okay, th fair. this turned into a bigger thing. And I was like, I think I'm going to be sort of unfun come 9.30 p.m. Because it wasn't necessarily the food thing. It was more like the 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 change of plans where I was like, yeah. I had mentally prepped. Uh, and then I was like, okay, okay. Will I be mm -hmm. able to stay up and active till 10 p.m.?
Yeah. No, see, my thing is like, if anyone, if someone texts me at any point and is like, hey, I have, uh, you know, I have a special coupon where you can go on a boat at midnight and have a pizza. I'm like, that sounds really unique. I'm there. <laughs> like I, it, it, I so, and this is, this is sort of like the only, the positive side of my, of my more chaotic, let's say timing when it comes to food is like, I'm basically always down for anything and I don't care what time a meal is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then that also means that, you know, I've sort of always have a tummy ache. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, anyway, I think we have unlocked a lot today. This, Kyle, do you have any final uh, statements or pronouncements about lunch? Um, lunch is dead. Wow! After all of that, after you invented three types of lunch, you're <laughs> lunch, lunch, and lunch. I'm taking it down. I invented it. No, I I just want to say that these two new words need to get into the lexicon immediately. I agree. Right. It's the only thing that's going to solve climate change. True. It's the only thing that's going to bring us together. Right. Mm. Because this is why we can't even speak to each other. Mm. Because the divide is so big. The divide is there and we don't even know it's there because people are they're using the wrong words. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think what you're doing is yeah. basically like a querying of. I mean, it's like we have one word for something and there should be three. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like like sex used to be the word for you know, only heterosexual yes. side, right? Yeah, exactly, right. And so now we have more. So this is this is going to do for lunch what, um, mm. what it's going to do for <laughs> what a, lunch what the LGBTQ acronym did for gender and sexuality. I think. Yeah, the acronym will be LLL. That's right. It'll. It's not the <laughs> yeah, most it's confusing. It, it's people confusing. will figure it out. People are smart. <laughs> yeah. yeah, people might put them in the wrong order sometimes. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think this episode has been so heated and I think interesting in a way that feels brand new. This is your pivot to crossfire style. Yeah. I love the fact that Sam and I are different. Like I know. It, it adds excitement. Like I love accompanying him while he's getting a Chipotle bowl, being like, <laughs> I'm probably not doing the right thing here, but like he's also allowing me to just like sort of go with my gut. You know, just to quash any fears. Um, yes. I do want to say, before, since this has been such a contentious episode, George and I do travel very well together. We really do, actually. Yeah. yeah. And we give each other space, but we're also always like, but I'm down to hang if you want. Totally. I also think the fact that we're having this conversation now and it's like, we are both essentially on the same page about the entire vibe. Yeah. And we're just like, okay with it. Yeah. I think is like a great sign. Yeah. At no point am I like frustrated that there is a difference. No, no. It it plays into our types in a funny way. Totally. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, 
Oh my god, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, should we do our final segment? I think it's time. And you know what? I have one, actually. Oh, do you want to describe it and then do yours? Sure. Um, Our final segment is called Shoutouts. And in this segment, we pay homage to a classic straight tradition, an oral tradition, if you will, which is the radio shoutout. You're at TRL, you're at Z100, and you are shouting out to your squad back home. Um, And I can go first. What's up, all my several summer travelistas? I want to give a shout out to train travel. I have to say, in the first leg of this tour, we took some planes and we took some trains. And when I tell you that when I'm on a plane, I literally feel like I am in the lowest tier in the Hunger Games. I feel like I'm being shipped somewhere in order to be murdered in front of the in the public square. Whereas when I'm taking the train, I am upper class. Even though I have a coach ticket, I feel like I'm in a first class cabin. It is perfectly air conditioned. I can go I can go to a train station literally using public transportation instead of paying one hundred and fifty million dollars for a lift. I'm at the train station and suddenly I'm literally in like an old church slash bank. It is the most beautiful building I've ever seen. Every single train station is the most beautiful architectural building I've ever seen. And there should be tours there led by a PhD in art history. I'm the food options are better than than airports. The air is fresh and not recycled. It is cheaper. I can take out my laptop and do work. I am even sitting next to someone. I don't feel like squished. I don't feel like, oh no, my knees, our knees are touching. I feel confident we are family and we are having a conversation about the news and agreeing. <laughs> and I and and you know, I was telling someone and they were like, oh yeah, that's because you were on the Northeast Regional, which is the only train that works well in America. Well, here's my challenge to Pete Buttigieg, the Secretary of Transportation. How about we scale that, Mama, and make more trains all around this great country so I can go wherever the hell I please please on a train in a good mood and on my way to a huge stop on my tour as a podcaster. Uh, I have to fully agree with that. 
trains when they work there's nothing like it am i right about the train stations i'm like every train station i was in because i was in three i was in philly dc and and new york and at moynihan i'm like this is like it's like that meme that's like society if you know xyz and it shows you like a futuristic society (laughs) yeah you're 100 right i think they're working because people aren't taking the trains totally oh like that's that's why they're still beautiful so if if more people yeah so okay so then i I guess i take it back uh no one take the trains (laughs) (laughs) okay i have one or do you i think i have to legally go next but i don't know what to do yet but i'm okay 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 What's up, everyone? I want to give a huge shout out to dancing and specifically the move where you put your hands through your hair and shake your head around. I have been finding this move to be so deeply fun and freeing. And when I put my hands in my hair and shake my little head around, I am a 22 year old girl who is in Europe, even though she is American and she is having so much fun and all the boys are looking at her and she couldn't care less. And yeah, she might make out with them but only playfully just for a moment i am in a shiny top i am kira knightley and like beckham and i don't need to like be perfect because i'm me when i am shaking my hair with my hands in my hair i am rhythmless and yet part of something larger i am one with the earth and yet an individual i love doing it we are not even close to finding all the dance moves that we can do casually and playfully (laughs) and we need to keep going to fun bars and experimenting with our bodies have fun out there xoxo sam i do want to uh say that one of the one a very sort of charming sam moment was when we were at a gay club in philly and he i was dancing and he was like dancing must be so hard for you because you don't have hair that you can move around (laughs) for me dancing is 90 percent hair based (laughs) it's true that i can't do hairography Um, oh my god you know who could actually do incredible hairography our guest yeah actually yeah um yeah i'm terrible with my hair um when dancing but Maybe I'll try for the future now. Now that you've given it a shout out. Yeah. 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 Give yourself a jump start by having just like insane (laughs) pigtails or something. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Go for it. Okay. I'll whenever you're ready. Go for it. What's up, sippers and straw lovers? (laughs) I'm going to give a shout out to Campari Soda. A few weeks ago, I was hanging out after a reading and I looked over and I asked someone what they were drinking and... They, it was very red, it was very jewel-like, it was very ruby-like, and she said a Campari soda. And I had never heard of actually ordering one of those before out in the world. I didn't know that you could do that. I thought you could make it at home with a LaCroix and some Campari, but no, it happens. They cost too much money, mm. but they look so delicate. They're very fun. You can hold them with the two little tips of your forefingers, and you hold that straw and you sip it lightly. It's very bitter. It's refreshing. It's like having like an energy drink, so you feel hydrated you feel like you're drinking alcohol but it's not that much you can keep the night going sometimes you want a negroni just because you want to hold something red but no you should go back to the campari soda because it's essentially a negroni but way more fun there are bubbles there's not a single bubble in a negroni unless you get a spagliato but that's done we're past that so it's time to spend the last month of summer when it's still hot with a refreshing red exciting campari soda that's amazing in my head i've been i have been yeah. trying to advance the campari soda agenda for like three years it is my go-to they're so good. drink they're so good yeah. you are so right about wanting a negroni because you want to hold something red a negroni is yeah. so alcoholic yeah it's too much yeah 
I also think it's like better. I think it's a, a working class Aperol spritz. Mm, absolutely. Right. Like it signals to me that like this person isn't rich. Right. By this the way, person Aperol didn't come from money. is so over and has been over oh, for yeah. years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm disgusted when I see it on a menu still. Truly, if you're ordering, I want to like yeah, cross it off I myself. <laughs> I bring a Sharpie with me and I cross it off on menus whenever I see it. If you're still ordering an Aperol Spritz, you need to get a Grub Street subscription and learn about new trends. <laughs> wow. All right. Um, well, I think this has been an amazing episode. I've yeah, certainly I learned have a lot. I fully agree. I really have learned a lot. I love to have an intellectual episode where it is learning forward. Yeah. And um, I really honestly can't wait to hear what people think about the new LLL spectrum. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Well, folks, get people collide on September 26th. 26th. And and see Isle on tour. Tour. Mostly in New York. Mostly in New York. Yeah. Yeah. And also L.A., and Provincetown and Providence, Rhode Island. Oh, fun. And also, by the way, come see us on tour in Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, and Los Angeles. Yeah. All right, folks. Kisses. Bye. 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 This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.